Welcome to Bees on a Pod. My name is Peyton, and joining me every week is my brother Parker. How are you doing today, man? I am doing well. How are you? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Uh, we are going to get into our mailbag episode, as we warned you guys last week. But uh, we did want to just go ahead and jump into some news that took place this week in the world of sports. And the, the one thing that I want to talk about a little bit is, first, college football items. Uh, number one, one of the bigger stories is that college football playoff has finalized the format for the 12-team playoff that's going to begin next season. And they finalize it as a five-team and seven-team model, meaning that the five highest-ranked conference champions will get guaranteed spots, and then the seven remaining spots will be judged by the committee and selected by the committee. So I, I guess there was talks about there being a six-and-six six model for a long time, but with the Pac-12 kind of dissolving, uh, I think they finalized on this five-seven model. Do you do you think that that was the way to go, considering uh, the Pac-12 is no longer? Yeah, I mean, I I think they got it right. Um, the, the fact that FSU got left out this year and they won their conference and they were an outstanding team all year long. Um, I I think for the players and for the fans of those teams, I think this is a good thing um, because I, I do agree, you know, like Florida state fans kind of got robbed this year. I, I think they got robbed more by the stance that their quarter, starting quarterback got hurt than the fact that they didn't make the playoff because the playoff wouldn't have been anything without Jordan Travis. Right. But, but, you know, as a fan, you're like, ah, I still want to see my team there. You know, a lot of Florida state fans had the argument that their defense was a top defense in the country. And, that could have been true as well, but I, I don't know. I guess this stops this stops the whole, hey, we won our conference, we won in kind of thing. Uh, moving on into a little bit different part of college football, we've gotten a little bit more news on the EA Sports college football video game. And it is official that all 134 FBS teams are going to be in the game. And the first, there is another item I wanted to discuss about the game specifically, but... I was a bigger NCAA player than you were just from what I remember in our childhood. But was there ever a random team outside of, cause for you it would have been Texas that you played with, but was there ever a random team that you liked to play with in NCAA that you can remember? So it always depended on the year. Like when it was, I think NCAA 13, like RG, RG three was yeah. just the best player in the game. I believe, you know, like you, uh -huh. It, it, it always depends on the year because obviously if you're playing like an older um, NCAA, like Vince Young was really good in NCAA. Right. Uh, Reggie Bush was really good in NCAA. Yeah. Uh, Tim Tebow, the next few years after that, was like the guy to play with in NCAA. And then, you know, you have the RG3s. You have players like that that are just really good in college that they just boost their stats. Yeah. And another thing about NCAA is – um, it's actually a lot different than Madden. Um, a lot of people are yes. like Madden and NCAA are the same thing. And it's like, no, it's not the same thing at all. Um, NCAA, you run a lot more option plays. You run a lot more, um, a, a lot more uh, trickery, I guess you could say comes with the NCAA playbooks than the Madden playbooks. So mm -hmm. having that guy that's like really fast or uh, has great agility and can throw on the run in that game is like a big upper hand. 
So it, it just depends on the year for me. But, you know, I would say RG3 was a, was a good one. Vince Young was a good one. Reggie Bush was a good one to play with. Tim Tebow, good one to play with. Uh, really quick, because I wanted to – this just popped up, because one thing you did say that, you know, Madden and NCAA are different, and I always felt this way, but I don't think there was ever anything to, to prove it. Do you think that – because we've played a lot of both, do you think that the players move differently in NCAA? Yeah, the, okay. The, the physics of the game – was just me. <laughs> the, the physics of the game are, are a little different. Like, um, for example, uh, I play a lot of FIFA – uh-huh. And for those of you who don't play FIFA, FIFA just made a big change. So it is now called EAFC. It is no longer called FIFA because FIFA has dropped out. Um, and you can just tell this, like the whole, I guess you could say physics of the game. FIFA has been the same for 10, 12, 15 years. Yeah. Like, it's been made by the same people. Uh, they've just upgraded their their software every year, made it a little better, graphics a little better. And then this year, it's like they changed the passing a little bit. They changed the crossing a little. And you can definitely tell, like somebody that's played every FIFA since FIFA 06, I can right. tell that they have definitely changed uh, a few things. So I can right. see that. Like I have a feeling all these NCAA players have been having to play Madden these last eight, nine years that they sure. haven't came out with a new NCAA. And I think NCAA is going to drop and they're going to be like, yo, I do not remember it feeling like right. this. <laughs> right. Now, so I agree only, with you. The only other thing with the NCAA game is that they did announce that players can get NIL earnings and uh, for, for opting into the game. So basically, if they opt to allow their name to be used in the game, they will receive $600 and a copy of the game. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but you got to think that. This is going down to the third string lineman on every, you know, on Colorado State. So it, for the amount of players that are likely going to opt into this, do you think that that is a, a fair amount to, to give the players? Because I, I would say so, because I think that you're getting something else out of it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the right amount of money. I just did the calculation real quick. Uh, they're going to have to spread around $5.6 to all of these athletes just about i did 70 by 135 teams and it it comes out like 70 players per team 135 teams comes out to 5.6 million um now what the game's gonna make that that's the crazy part because this game is probably gonna make a lot (laughs) a lot more money than that so like to me if if i think the players if they were to each get a thousand it it wouldn't hurt the ea sports pockets yeah um with this but I do think 600 bucks copy of the game. Um, I don't think there's enough players that are willing to say no to that because at least they're getting a game, you know, like it's I, been so would, long since we've gotten a game. It's like, why would they say no now? Like you're about to be in a video game. Just take the deal and make everybody happy before you piss everybody off. <laughs> right. And I would argue that part of the compensation, it, because it may not be like actual monetary value, but it does hold a lot of, uh, emotional and even like social value that you're in the game. Like being in the game is something that I think comes as part of the deal with these players. Cause yeah, I think that for, even if it is, you know, the starting running back on Akron to see, to be able to say, Hey, I'm in the game. And that is my name. Like on, on the back of the Jersey. I, I don't know. That's probably pretty cool for a lot of those players. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I do think there should be a different, I do think there should be a different like pay rank. Yeah, well, so yeah, because because uh, <laughs> for instance, like next year, we're gonna have Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter 
probably are going to be two of the most played with players in the game. And I would imagine that if you are being realistic, they probably deserve a little bit bigger of a share. Well, six hundred dollars. That, and then you got to think of the guy that's on the cover. You got to think of the guys that are all in like the cut scenes and stuff like yeah. that. Like in in the game, there's a lot more than just the cover athlete that you see yeah. like around the game. So, you know, like whenever you go to pick a team, you go to pick a team. Usually, like the top three players pop up on the side nowadays, like right. in Madden, like your X Factor player, you're this, you're that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think if you're like on the cover for the team. You know, like if you're one of the top sure. three players on the team, I think you should get a little more dough. Right. That's just me. It shouldn't be mo- too much more. Like, I think all starters across everything should probably make a grand. Yeah. And then I think the rest of the players just do deserve like five, 600 bucks just to be able to use their name, put them in yeah. the game, you know, all that stuff like that. So I-, I think there should be a little bit of a scale there, but I'm just glad that all players are being seen as equal. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing. And we're all getting an NCAA out of it. And we've been waiting. Um, I think this is the 10th 10 year. 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Uh, well, actually, I think it's 11. Yeah, 11 years. And once the game comes out, it will be 11. Uh, but mm-hmm. moving on from college football, uh, I wanted to give a slight bit of NFL news. And it came out, actually, I believe it was yesterday. Um, not to date this podcast, but uh, Xavier Howard, cornerback from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, All-pro cornerback, formerly uh, multi Pro Bowler quarterback, one of their team captains, has been released from the Miami Dolphins. This was strictly a cap move. Uh, it wasn't any kind of like off-field trouble, any rift with the team. Uh, it was strictly for the books. And it's, I'm sure for Dolphins fans, it's probably hard to hear that because he, while he did have a down year last year, he just had some injuries. He, he has quite possibly been the best corner I've ever seen play for the Dolphins because they're not typically a team that has elite corners. And uh, I mean, for the last five, six years, he he's been their lockdown corner and to see them let go of somebody like him, it, it's, it's an interesting move from a sense of, I mean, they do have Jalen Ramsey, obviously who's still a very good corner, but it, it's an interesting move to see how they maneuver their books going forward. Because what this signifies to me is that they're preparing for a to a deal because that, they're that's preparing been, to pay somebody. That, that's that's been the big discussion point is like if they're going to give Tua the deal. And I think that this move is a precursor to saying that they probably are going to or they're going to try to. And I don't know if you agree with that. It, Tua is such a sensitive subject. Um, I mean, now we're in the offseason. So it's it's it, going into offseason. This is weird. We haven't pod. We haven't potted during the offseason yet. And I feel like the offseason is where we can really give our honest opinion about a lot of players. Because in the season, I feel like we're kind of pressured to talk about players based on how they're doing currently. Where in the offseason, there is no like week-to-week update on how this player is doing. So in the offseason, there's just this long gap where we bring up – two is just one of those names we're going to bring up multiple times throughout the offseason. You know, you can't talk about it. We won't talk about everybody, but there are going to be these lists of 10, 12 names that we keep bringing up. Uh, Jalen Hurts will be one of them. Dak will be one of them. Joe Burrow will be one of them. And diving into Tua, I, I think now we kind of have a good read on what he's got. Um, looking back, I mean, he's been in the league since 2020. Um, he had, yeah, he was injured for a year, but so was Joe Burrow. And you kind of have to compare them to their draft class almost. We do that a lot with quarterbacks. So I think if you look at his draft class, 
of the three main quarterbacks that are still starters, I would take all three over to it, which is Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert. Um, And I also think that Alabama quarterbacks just don't have it. Like I, I, I have this, this thing about Alabama quarterbacks that just make me think that they were so pampered in college football, like playing for Nick Saban and playing for that kind of roster and playing on a team that is better recruited than any other team in the nation. Um, I think that kind of gives those quarterbacks a crutch. And then they get to the NFL and they're like, wow, not every player is the best player on the field on my team at their position. So I, I'm kind of wishy-washy about the whole Tua situation in Miami. I think they should go a different route, if you ask me. I don't think Tua has a strong enough arm. Uh, he can't play in cold weather. I think there's just too many things that he can't do that outweigh the things that he does well. Fair, fair enough. I, I think that we'll probably have a much larger discussion about like the Dolphins in the offseason and maybe you know what we think they need to possibly take the next step or even to try and prepare themselves for a change at quarterback while remaining competitive. But um, I will be interested to see, you know, Xavier Howard is going to join this free agent class where he's where we'll, we'll do a proper free agency preview in the coming weeks. Uh, for sure. It, it free agency is going to be here before we know it, but moving on to a different league really quick. I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some college basketball and two things with college basketball. One, uh, Caitlin Clark, basketball player for the Iowa Hawkeyes women's team has officially broken the all-time scoring record for women's basketball, which it's funny how I, I, you know, I, and you can agree with this and I don't mean this to be like sexist in any way, but like before this year and really even like the end of last year, I had never once cared about women's basketball, just hand up, never cared about it. And it's interesting that in the last couple of years, I've actually come become i'm not gonna say like i'm locked in but i'm a little bit interested to like actually watch some women's basketball because i think that what's happening is we're coming into an age where there are we're we're in the shooting era you know thanks to steph curry and i would say that we're coming into an era where there are more of these female basketball players who are becoming high-level shooters. I mean, we saw Sabrina Ionesco do a shootout against Steph Curry, and it was down to the wire. It was neck and neck. So women's basketball players are becoming just as efficient shooters as the men's basketball players. And I, I wonder if you feel any way about the women's basketball product and maybe if it has become more appealing because of these kind of players like Caitlin Clark. I will say this about Caitlin Clark. She's the most impressive so far that we've seen but her record will be broken in the next five years. Um, just because just because the the sport of women's basketball, like you have said, you didn't care about women's basketball. And I, I wouldn't say that I care about it. You know, I'm not like, oh, if women's basketball goes missing, I'm going to be upset. Um, but a lot more people are open to the fact that women's basketball is emerging a little bit. Um, right. And which means there's going to be a lot more women playing basketball going forward. There's going to be a lot more kids that look up to Kate and Caitlin Clark. Like, for example, how many kids started playing basketball because of Steph Curry? Like, how many right. kids do you see wearing Curry shoes? Well, it's not going to be the, to that extreme level for, like, little like younger ladies who are learning. You know, they get to that middle school age where they can join a basketball team um, and stuff like that. So you're going to see a lot more of them kind of go out of their way and start playing basketball. And – I think that just widens the field to where there's more talent out there 
for women's basketball, which makes yeah. me think that her record will eventually get broken uh, here pretty – it won't hold too long, I don't think. Um, yeah. Another thing I want to talk about women's basketball um, when it comes to NBA and the women's basketball comparison, a lot of people are like, yeah, why well, watch the NBA because it's more entertaining. And I think shooting is something that any human can do. I, I don't think that matters. Like that's something that doesn't depend on size. It doesn't really depend on strength. Um, it's really just like a finesse accuracy. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's just a thing. You either have it or you don't usually when it comes to mm. shooting, a, shooting a basketball. And I think Steph Curry has helped the girls game grow in that sense. But the thing that always stops girls basketball is that you're never going to see a girl dunk from the free throw line. You're never going to see a girl like have a chase down block off the glass. Like it just, it doesn't happen that often, you know, like the men, the men's sport. The problem is too, is that the women's league is held to the same standard as the men's league. Like the rim is at 10 foot. The ball, the ball is a little smaller, but not too much smaller. Um, I, I think the three point lines at the same spot as the men. It's actually shorter in the WNBA. Is it just a little shorter? Yeah, it is. Um, but I think that's the the rim being ten foot is a big thing because women just genetically, yeah, you have some that are just gigantic that are super tall, but genetically, women, you know, that it's it, on an average day you don't see a six foot woman walking around, but. On an average day, you'll see a, a third of men are six foot or taller. So just in average day-to-day life. So I think that's what hinders the girls' sport. I don't think it's the shooting. I don't think it's the dribbling. I don't think it's the stealing. I don't think it's the scoring. I think it's the fact that they can't go down there and throw down a dunk and wow the crowd. I think that's what loses a lot of people's interest in women's basketball. Yeah. I, but I will say this, though. And I mean, like, there have been some some very prominent and elite women's basketball players. I mean, like Sue Bird. I mean, you have uh, Lana Del Don, you know, people like that. But yeah, but I, those players are so high above the people around them. Right. To where it's like, I mean, it's like taking Kyrie Irving to a high school basketball clinic. You know, like yeah, they're going to they're going to yeah, go to the, you know, they're going to score a lot of points. Like they're just on a higher level. They're just it's. I guess I wanted to I wanted to bring it up mostly because I think it's just that it's become at least something I'm somewhat aware of. Whereas before, like I wouldn't if I I, I would have no idea if the WA NBA was in season or not, and I wouldn't have any idea if the finals were on or even the women's final four. Whereas this year, let's say Caitlin Clark is playing in the women's final four, honestly, a lot of people are going to watch I'll it. Probably I'll probably watch it because it, she is the type of player where she can realistically drop 30 in a college basketball game, which is a lot of points. Like that's a lot in college basketball. So I don't know. I just wanted to talk about it. But the last thing I did want to talk about that happened uh, actually recently Duke number eight in the country at the time uh, recently lost to wake forest in wake forest. And what I wanted to discuss was there was a situation where after the game, the wake forest fans who I'm, I'm, they have probably a lot of disdain towards Duke, considering that Duke is the ACC monster. Everybody else in the ACC hates Duke, and the the Wake Forest fans storm the court while the Duke players are still on the court, right? And arguably, I don't know if I'd say they're absolute best. This is kind of subjective, but one of their main players, Kyle Filipowski, who's their starting forward, uh, one of the better players on the team this year, he is kind of in the middle of the court and. 
a couple of fans run into him and it throws him off balance. And there's so many fans coming on storming the court that his ankle gets rolled up on because a fan stepped on it. And so he, after the game, I believe diagnosed with a sprained ankle, he's going to be out for some time, uh, is being helped off by some of the remaining Duke people on the court that are trying to get through all the Wake Forest fans. And there was a whole discussion from even their coach, John Shire about how storming the court should be banned. And I, I thought I might just ask you what you think of that, given what happened in this situation. So I saw the clip, I saw the coach's interview and I kind of understand where he's coming from. I, my problem is there's no way to stop it. And there's other things that he kind of brought up in that interview. It wasn't just players getting hurt. It was players getting also like harassed um, whenever yeah. the storm, get, the, the court gets stormed. I, I just don't see an efficient way to stop. How are you going to stop, you know, 10,000 people from just leaving the stands and walking on the court? There's only not, so much, not, not an easy thing. <laughs> there's not, so, there's only, well, there's only so much security and there's only so much the stadium or the arena can really do to stop them from doing that. Because basketball is a sport where they don't really have to hop a railing usually. Like they're no. kind of people are on the floor as they're playing. Yeah. So if you really want to stop this problem, the way you'd have to stop it is people would have to watch this game through a clear glass. Yeah, like hockey almost. Like <laughs> hockey. So that being that being said, I don't think there's a way to stop it. Can they ban it? Sure. You're not going to be able to find everybody that runs on the court. You're not going to be able to find everybody that runs on the court. And that's just going to be something that more the university is responsible of than like the actual NCAA. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I, I guess I'm interested to see where that goes. I don't, I don't see it coming to a halt anytime soon just because there's no way to stop it. I, I think I'm with you. Um, I think that's all we got for the news. Uh, there is a couple items you wanted to discuss in what's trending. So go ahead, Parker. So this week on what's trending, this is a segment where I pretty much bring up a, I'm always on social media, always looking Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, everything. So I see a lot of sports posts. I follow a lot of sports pages um, and they, they bring up a lot of controversial talks. And the first one I want to bring up today is we're going to talk about all-star games, Peyton. Oh, geez. Okay. And this is a start bench <laughs> cut. Um, so we're going to start one. We're going to bench one. We're going to cut one kind of format. And we're going to talk about NBA All-Star Weekend. We're going to talk about the NFL Pro Bowl. And then we're going to talk about MLB All-Star Week. If you had to bench one, start one, cut one, or whatever order you want to say those three in, which one are you leaving out? Which one are you putting on the back burner? And which one are you putting up front? I'm cutting the Pro Bowl first off. <laughs> this is just the easiest choice. And then I, I guess I would say that, and I mean, I'm not a big baseball fan, so I would probably bench the, the MLB All-Star Week. However, just I do want to make it clear, obviously, by my choice, I would actually, like, I actually enjoy watching, like, the Home Run Derby. And I I don't necessarily watch the game. I'll I, If it's on, I guess I'll put it on. But I will absolutely rather watch, like, the Home Run Derby over anything that the Pro Bowl has to offer. I hate that the Pro Bowl went to flag football. I think that is so – it's just nuts. I think the Pro Bowl – I think you could say the Pro Bowl is Bring that clear, CTE back, baby. Well, I mean, <laughs> dude, the, 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 
I think the Pro Bowl is the obvious front runner 10 years ago. Oh, like you look back uh, 10 years well, ago before. Well, I don't know. You look like before like protocol, before like all the all the health issues came with football. Like we've all seen the Sean Taylor whack the punter clip. Like yeah. we've all I, seen that. I think and, I would still argue that I would still argue that the NBA All-Star game even in like the mid 2000s was even better than the Pro Bowl. Like well, the, the hard, events and everything. The hard part about the NBA All-Star game is if you look at the the refereeing um in the night I think it was like 1994 there was mm-hmm. 44 fouls in the All-Star game. In 2004 there was 24 fouls. Yeah. In 2014 there was 22 fouls. In 2024 there was 4. Right. So in 20 years or sorry 30 years we've gone from 44 fouls to 4. Yeah. I, and I I guess it's just cuz there's mine, no defense. Would, yeah, and I regardless of the quality of the game because the game sucked. I would still start NBA All-Star week week because I think the other events have at least a little bit of intrigue. You know, like like the for instance the celebrity All-Star game usually can provide some like comic relief and like some kind of not even that it's funny, but you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, Kevin Hart's you know, dropping 20 points, you know, out of nowhere. It's just, I don't know that he ever did that, but I know that he won like all-star game MVP a couple times, you know, and even the three point shootout I I watch and like, it's still something that that's one of those events that I think is quote unquote timeless because there's not really anything you can do to make it worse. You know, like, I like the, 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 the playing field has always been pretty level and it's not like the dunk contest where everything that has been possibly done dunking the ball has been done up to this point. And so it's really hard to be innovative in the dunk contest, but I still would say that I think I'd start NBA all-star week. Uh, What would you say would be your, your order there? I mean, my start would be my start would be NBA all-star week. I think Um, the thing that, that really got me though, is the dunk contest used to be, and I see where you're coming from. Like, it's so hard to probably be creative in that field, but ever since like everything's been done ever since, right. Right. And ever since Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine um, had their dunk contest, I don't think there will be another one that tops it in my eyes going forward. It'd have to be, it'd have to be a, two people would have to get really innovative and, be top of the notch athletic to top that um, performance between the two. I think they both could have won the dunk contest that year. Um, So I I think I'm going to start the NBA uh, all-star and I'm probably going to bench. And I agree with you, man, I'm going to bench the baseball. I I think cutting the football, if they were still playing in pads and still playing the regular all-star game, you know, I think adding, the dodgeball and all that and adding the, the individual challenges to the pro bowl was a good idea. I just hate that they changed it to flag football. Like I, I can't right. stand that they changed it to flag football. It, it, it drives me nuts. These guys make killer money and it's, it's an event that's pretty much for the fans. Like me and you have been to the pro bowl. Um, it's a good experience, a good fan experience. And I think I wouldn't have enjoyed it near as much if I didn't get to see the players suit up and play. Um, on Sunday, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna bench that one, and okay. I'm gonna go ahead and move on. 
um, from that. And I'm going to talk about something else that's trending. And this picture is a picture of four of the league's um, best wide receivers. And it says one has got to go. And it's got Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill, and Jamar Chase. One's got to go. Peyton, who's leaving? Honestly, probably at this point, I'd say Jamar. And it's only because I think he's been the biggest health risk of all four. Uh, he's the one that's missed the most time in his young career. Uh, Tyreek Hill has missed time, but he's also a veteran. Um, and I, I think that I'm not going to sit here and try and argue their ability because I think they're pretty much all on the same plane of one another. But if I'm at a nitpick, I, I would probably say because of his inability to stay on the field for the majority of his time in the NFL. Um well, maybe not majority, but he's missed the most games by far of any of those wide receivers. And so I, I would have to say, yeah, I, I guess I'm leaving out Jamar. I mean, you have to get Nick picky because, I mean, we're talking about four of the most elite receivers in the league. Yeah. I mean, the, these four are in the top seven conversation, no doubt. Yeah, I think if you um, asked me last year, I probably would have said CD. Right. And I think if you ask, I, I think if you look at this two different ways, like my thing is the other three Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, like they were all draft. Jamar Jamar Chase was 2021, and Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb were both drafted in 2020. Then you have Tyreek Hill, who was drafted in 2016. He's already done his Super Bowl uh trip. You know, he's been there, he's been in the Super Bowl three times, and he's now plays for the Dolphins. He's a little older, he's an injury risk. He had two or three injuries this year that just kept bugging him week to week. I don't think I cut Tyreek Hill from a from a skill point of view. I think I cut him from a he's an older guy. I think I'd be more excited for any of the other three to come to my team than him. Like if I if 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 I were let's say CD Lamb didn't play for the Cowboys, let's say CD Lamb was like a New York Jet and did the same thing that he did for the Cowboys, like had the same stats, I think I'd be way more excited for any of the other three to come to the come to the Cowboys. I don't think I'd be as excited as Tyreek Hill coming to the Cowboys just because the other three players are so much younger and have so much more longevity going yeah. forward. Now, if we're looking at total career, like accolades by the end of their career, I think Jamar Chase is going to have the least. And that's, that's just me. Justin Jefferson and CD lamb are, are beasts. And I'm not saying Jamar Chase isn't a beast, but that, that would be who I have to cut of the four. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I just yeah. didn't know if you had a different um, point of view, but that uh, that does it this week. I had another one I'll go over next week. It's no big deal. It's kind of a timeless topic, so it doesn't matter. Sweet. And we are going to go ahead and get into our mailbag. And we had some questions come in from you guys, and we appreciate all the replies that we got. And we're just going to run through uh, and see how long this takes us and just have a good time. So our first question that we got is to name a starting five NBA team using non-NBA athletes and it can be all time. doesn't matter what era you can pick anybody. And uh, Parker, I'm going to let you go. We, we made sure to do this by position as well. Not just five random guys. I, we wanted to pick out specific two positions for every one of these players. So Parker, I'll go and let you give your starting five first. All right. So my point guard is Michael Vick. I mean, Michael Vick's playing point. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Mike Vick, um, he, he's got accuracy of some sort as far as the short pass goes. Yeah, he's fast. He's agile. Um, I, I just see him 
being a, a decent facilitator. And he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks. So, I mean, what more could you ask out of a point guard? Um, my shooting guard is going to be a shocker. And and don't say jar. Uh, because this guy did sign with the Dallas Mavs <laughs> for a few days. And that's going to be Tony Romo. Tony oh, Romo is God. playing shooting guard. Tony Romo, uh, fun fact, Tony Romo outscored Vince Carter um, in total high school points. They went to the same high school, I think it was. I've seen the stat. They went to the same high school and Tony Romo outscored Vince Carter and then decided to go play football, which is wow. crazy. Yeah, crazy. Um, so I got Tony rocking the two and my small forward is going to be pre ACL tear Bo Jackson. Um, I I think he just kind of is one of the most athletic um, uh-huh. people of all time. He's played multiple sports, football, baseball, obviously, um, I don't see why he couldn't give basketball a shot. And uh, the small forward is one of those positions where you want a guy that's got a little size, has a little speed, can do a little bit of everything. So Bo Jackson's my answer for my small forward. Okay. Now these two are going to shock you. These two are going to shock you because they're not football players. They're not baseball players. They're not hockey players. They're not tennis players. They're not golfers. They're not soccer players. My power forward and my center are going to be wrestlers, and I have oh, du- you stole my idea. I have Dwayne, oh, no. the, I have Dwayne the Rock Johnson, rock and power forward, uh-huh. and I have the great Kali at center. No way, <laughs> yeah. that's incredible. I got to show you because my center is the great Kali. He's seven. <laughs> He's the only seven foot one non basketball player I could think of. Like that he's was quite literally the only logic that I had. I was like, I just need somebody who is super tall and just ginormous that can like who looks like Shaq but doesn't play basketball. <laughs> the great Kali was my yeah. was my center. That's a great pick. I'm glad that we had. I I thought that you were not going to go wrestling, so I was waiting for that to be like my great. You know, the the great reveal at the end was the great Kali, but I'm yeah. glad that you did that. Well, that's what happens when you let me go first. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I actually think I think that based on our teams, I think it actually might be an interesting like pickup game between the two. Uh, my my point guard is going to be. You're probably going to be like, "Whoa, I did not expect that," but it's going to be Manny Pacquiao, and Manny Pacquiao. Boxers have to have really really good footwork. Manny Pacquiao's got fast hands and. I'm sure you didn't know this, but he actually played on the Filipino national team, like for basketball. Yeah, there's, but playing, there's... playing for the Filipino national team is probably like playing high school sports. Like if you're the star quarterback, you're probably going to be the starting point guard. <laughs> well, you're probably going to be the shortstop <laughs> on the baseball team. Like if you were to say, I mean, I'm just saying like, they're like, oh, he's good at boxing. He's got to be good at other things. But there's actually a video of him hooping. So yeah. I'm like, there's, there's like some grounds for him to be the floor general. Uh, so I, I got Manny Pacquiao at point guard. My shooting guard is going to be Ricky Henderson. And now this is like a throwback player. Uh, Ricky Henderson, I believe he's still the all-time steals leader in baseball. R- widely renowned as like the fastest baseball player to ever play, really, um, outside of like Jimmy Rollins and a couple others. But Ricky Henderson is going to be my Jose Alvarado because obviously he can steal the bases. And he's fast. So I think he could probably get a lot of steals in the basketball game. So, okay. Um, and I, I don't know. Maybe he can shoot. Who knows? Uh, my small forward, I'm going to go to hockey. I'm not a big like hockey guy either, just as much as I'm not a big baseball guy. But uh, Mark Messier is like one of the best 
hockey players of all time. He's a very famous New York Ranger. Uh, played for a couple of other teams, but he was also, in addition to being a good offensive hockey player, he was known to be like one of the guys that gets into fights and is very physical. And the way I looked at that type of player fitting onto a basketball team would be like a Ron Artest type of fit, where it's like a tone setter, can body people up, doesn't mind you know getting dirty and. Honestly, if you could skate pretty well and be a good offensive player in hockey, I think you could probably have good like post moves and like you know work work your way around the floor, like provide good spacing, moving around the court. So one thing I will say, a lot of people don't realize that hockey, soccer, and basketball are a lot of the same. It's a lot of the same ball movement, puck movement, whatever you want to yeah. say. It kind of they kind of flow together. So I could imagine a hockey player his vision on the basketball court would probably yeah. be pretty good. And I have a feeling everything would be moving in slow motion for him because hockey is such a, oh like, my, yeah, you know, hockey, the, the, the puck just zings around. Like yes. it'd probably be like a walkthrough uh, probably. version of what he does for a living. So I, I could definitely see that working. Right. And then my uh, last two players at power forward, I have Calvin Johnson. And that's simply because I think he can be a Ke Kevin Garnett type where he is just, that's a good lanky, pick. tall, can box people out really easily ha has the size, even though he is a football player and a lot of football players aren't really tall. I mean, Calvin has the size to be a power forward, especially in today's, I mean, I will say we are getting back to where big men are like actually big people and we're getting away from small ball. But if you want to run a small ball lineup, you can throw Calvin out there and be a, a fine power forward. And then a uh, great colleague, like we said. Uh, so I think that that would be an interesting match. I really think that your guards would cook mine, though. I think that that would kind of be a tough. Maybe Ricky Henderson is too fast for Romo. Maybe that's the only one that I think might have a, a winning matchup. But I think Mike Vick is cooking Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> he, he, you know, and I'm surprised uh, whenever you brought up Calvin Johnson, another name came to my mind. Like, I, I could have easily started Randy Moss at small forward. Yeah. Well, like, like Gronk probably would be a good small forward pick as well just because like he he's tall in football but he's like average size in the nba yeah right i think my um, power forward have a bad matchup yeah let's go ahead and move forward though yeah oh yeah Cal calvin might might have some length on uh Dwayne. <laughs> i will say that i feel like Dwayne would be the equivalent of like big baby davis on the basketball I, court i think he's like the box like it's just you're not gonna get a rebound i mean he's just gonna box Maybe. you out box yeah. you out I don't know if uh, I, you remember NBA Street. Uh, there was a there was yeah. a player called Bonafide who was just good at rebounding, and yes. that was pretty much <laughs> it. Like that was his specialty. That's who Dwayne the Rock Johnson is for me. I got gotcha. you. So okay, well we're gonna move on to the next question. And uh, what what would you say is the best era of sports? I think we can go through this one pretty quickly. But like, if you had to pick a decade of sports, what would you say would be your favorite era, even if it is before your time? So if I had to pick one to be alive in, it would probably be the nineties just because I could finally see the Cowboys win a Super Bowl and I get to see him win three. <laughs> um okay. if I if I could pick one like me personally, which one would I want to be alive in? That would probably be the one. Um but I, I gotta kind of say the two thousands. I think the two thousands was a really good um time for sports. Technology was kind of making its way into sports. Now I think it's it's too soon to say that like you know, the 2010, 2020 was the best. Um, but I think in 2000s, that's when you had, especially for football, you still had hard-nosed football, but there was enough technology into the game to where it was cool enough from a fan aspect to watch it from the couch. 
Um, but there was also, I mean, it was just a different game then. There was a lot more running in the game. Passing was just coming into the game. Not just coming into it, but like passing was becoming more prominent than running the football, I think, then. So it's we got it was the time that we got to see the game change the most. And I think that's when we got the most pure football. Like when you had the Ray Lewis's, when you had the Patrick Willis's, you had um Tom Brady in his early part of his career. We got to see that unfold. Uh Peyton Manning was in his prime at that point. So we got to see a lot of greats, our greats, um, it, like our lifetime greats in that you that that decade. Um, and I'm not just talking football either, like basketball was really good um in that time frame. And um I, you know, I wasn't a big baseball kid growing up, but I can imagine the 2000s were fun. I believe that was Barry Bonds' um, time yeah, in the league. Yeah, um, Ken Griffey was still doing. You his had thing. Yeah. Derek Derek Jeter in that time frame coming to baseball. You had Alex Rodriguez in baseball. You had Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz. Um, you know, there's just a lot of a lot of big names and a lot of excitement around sports in that era. So, right. and that was before social media really affected a lot of sports media too. Yeah. So that was back whenever, you know, you turn on me and you waking up in the morning, ESPN Sports Center would be on and we would actually get to catch up on everything we either either had to go to bed before happened or to keep up with sports in general. It was like me and you every morning. Right. We turned on Sports Center as we got ready before school. Yeah. And that's how we got our sports knowledge for the for the day, you know? Yeah. So I, I think that was just the most pure form of sports for me growing up. So yeah. I'll keep my answer pretty short. I, I, I think I w originally would pick the 2000s, but I think I would probably pick the 2010s. And I think that's because you get some of the tail ends of the 2000s style of not only football, but um, I mean, even basketball in some sense. But I think I, I as an analytical person, I, I actually liked seeing the progression of how analytics affected you know, the leagues, but not like to where it's nowadays where it's like super hyper analytical, you know, it, it was kind of the perfect blend of the two in the 2010s uh, for not only football, but basketball, even, I mean, I don't watch a ton of baseball, but I know that baseball like was starting to, you know, really get into the analytics side of sports. And then even I, I felt like the 2010s was also when I started to really enjoy golf, like as a TV product. Um, and I think that there's a lot of defining moments in the 2010s as there are with every decade but i mean like for instance the late 2010s included like tiger's master win uh it, you also had like the warriors uh starting to become the warriors in the 2010s you had the tail end of the spurs dynasty you had basically tom brady's second act in football it, what we did see was a lot more passing in the NFL at that point, like that was the passing boom where all these quarterbacks started throwing for 5,000 yards and or close to it regularly. Um, yeah, I, I think that that would probably be my pick would be the 2010s. And so uh, I know that that's probably maybe expected because those are the decades that we lived in. But I don't know. I think that that's probably par for the course for us. And, so. and, and I think that's I think that's an answer a lot of people would give now. Um, even even some people that are older that have lived in the 80s and 90s, you know, grew up 80s, 90s. I, I think a lot of people, you know, you have your old heads who are like, oh, it's not like what it was. Right. But I do think you have a lot of people who can see it for what it is. And a lot of people can see that the game of football and the game of basketball and baseball and even like you said, um, golf have changed from a fan's point of view as far as enjoying the sport 
watching the sport, hearing about the sport all the time. It's yeah. not just radios and, and sports center anymore. It's on your yeah. phone. It's, it's everywhere you go. It's right. You know, it's just a lot more, more, more sports. If you're really into sports, you really love sports. Yeah. Now, now 2010s to now is like the time where you could get the most out of sports as a fan. So I could see that. And as a, as a bonus, I mean, like this probably has a lot to do with social media becoming a prominent uh, force in the 2010s is it also signified the boom in soccer fandom in the U S like where a lot more people like I, if you asked me to name clubs in the EPL, for instance, in before if you asked me before 2010, I probably would have named like three just being honest. And whereas now, I mean, if you're an average sports fan, you can probably name at least 10 clubs teams from the Euro league. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, so I can I th- name I think that, 50. But yeah, I think sports yeah. have just become more global as a result of that, which is a good thing. I, I think that that's a really cool thing uh, that's been a development over the years. Uh, but that, that was a pretty overarching question. I think we're going to get a little bit more specific with these next few. Um, we had a, a question come in, and we'll keep this really quick because I, I think that this is kind of a little, a little too far, um, that Kirk Cousins would win the MVP if he would have stayed healthy. Uh are we just going to shake our heads and move on with this one? No, I'm going to talk about it because this is okay. our cousin Dorian's question. I'm going to make it public because <laughs> that is the most ridiculous take I've ever heard in my life. Um, October 8th, 2023, Justin Jefferson injures his hamstring, gets placed on IR. I think that right there ends Kirk Cousins MVP race, like in, in total. And the, fact, second. <laughs> and, 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 and the fact that you have Alexander Madison running the backfield, and I, I was actually pretty high on him coming into the season and I didn't see anything I really loved out of him. Um, so to see that there's not a solid run game there to be able to flip to the pass game successfully, you're missing your number one wide receiver. Jordan Addison had a good year. He's still not Justin Jefferson. As we talked about him as being a top four guy. I don't see it, Dorian. I just okay. I, I I don't see Kirk Cousins being that MVP guy. And I think if he were to be that MVP guy, I think it would have happened three years ago when the Vikings made it to the NFC Championship. And I think that was the best form of Kirk Cousins you kind of got is when you still had Stephon Diggs on the team. You still had Adam Thielen. Um, you guys were just – I mean, it, he had options. And now – and that was also early Dalvin, Dalvin Cook – so Dalvin Cook wasn't gone yet. You still had a reliable run game. I, I think I think we missed the Kirk Cousins MVP time. And I think that was that was a little um absurd. But we can no, you can give uh, your take Yeah, we're moving on. No, okay. no shot. Yeah. Right. Sorry, Dory. Get out of here. <laughs> but uh we're gonna move on to uh this one we might have to discuss maybe a little bit longer than that one. Um we we're gonna get into some more draft talk in the next, you know, month or two, but We'll go ahead and answer this question. We got a question that uh, is Brock Bowers a lock to go top 10 in the NFL draft. And I don't know how much you've really done like quote unquote, like research and, you know, like looking at different college prospects that are coming into the league for this 2024 draft. And um, if not, I I think that you're probably going to get familiar because we're going to talk about it quite a bit. Your familiarity with Brock Bowers and the level of familiarity you have um, and given the teams that are drafting in the top 10, do you think it's likely that he ends up in the top 10 or do you think it's more likely that he falls out and slides a little bit? I think he's right on the cusp. I think it matters who's there because 
the fun part about the draft is that you know you're sitting there watching and you're like oh okay they're probably going to take this guy and then you know you're in the kitchen you're in the kitchen making dinner and you just hear that there's been a trade and you're like, wait, what? And someone else is making that pick instead of the team that you thought was going to make that pick. So I think it's really tough to say. Um, Brock Bowers is definitely a great talent. I think he's going to do well in the NFL. I just don't know who's going to, who's going to be willing to, I don't know at what point your first round pick is worth taking Brock Bowers when there's a lot more talent on the board. Um, Because a lot of people forget in the first round, there are a lot of, guards and tackles and centers and defensive ends and defensive tackles that are taken in the first round. A lot of players that you're not going to hear their name for another seven years are taken um, in that first round. So it's, it's really hard to say for me. I got you. I, I, I think I have a little bit better of an answer and I think I would probably lean towards yes. And the only reason I think yes is because I think they're, are two teams, actually, I guess I would say three teams in particular that I could see taking Brock Bowers. And the thing is, Brock Bowers, he is listed as a tight end. He was a tight end at Georgia by technicality. But if you watched how he was used, he is just a, a weapon. He's, I hate to use this comparison because people are going to get scared whenever you hear this. And it's not like an exact one for one. It's just a matter of how they're used on the field. He's pretty much used the same way that Kyle Pitts was used at Florida. And people are going to hear that and be like, I'm out. I don't want Kyle Pitts, you know, uh, but he's a freak. I mean, he's super lanky. He's not built like a tight end. Like there's this picture at Radio Row during Super Bowl week where he was standing next to Gronk and he looked like some scrawny kid big next to Gronk, who's one of the bigger tight ends we've ever seen. Uh, it, so people got kind of worried when they saw that, but that's not the type of tight end that Brock Bowers is. And so I'm looking at the top 10 in the NFL draft. And there's three teams in particular that stand out because I have, I think there's a certified floor as far as how low he can go and a certified ceiling as to how high he can go. I think the highest he will go is number five to the charters. I think that is the only place that I could see him going that high because obviously I think at this point, it's pretty much a lock that there's going to be three quarterbacks taken in the top four. And then the other top four picks going to be Marvin Harrison. I, I think that that's, Locked and loaded. Uh, don't know what teams are going to be there, but I know that that's going to be the top four probably. Um, and, and then you get to the Chargers, and I think that their main need is pass catchers because you have Keenan Allen aging out. You have Mike Williams coming off an ACL tear, and then you have Austin Eckler, who is a pending free agent. So, I mean, you got Josh Palmer, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> so as at least that's like certified he's going to be on the team. He's going to be healthy ready to go next season. Mike Williams is still under contract, but he's also not never been fully healthy. And then Keenan's just getting old. So Gerald Everett also a free agent, I believe. So I, they really just need guys who can catch the ball and make plays in the, in, in the passing game. And I think that Brock Bowers is, it's going to be a debate between if Marv is gone between like him and Malik neighbors and really Romo Dunze, like those three are the, t the next three pass catchers who has seen it are as are seen as like the elite pass catchers in this draft. And so I would say that Chargers at five, I'd argue Chicago at nine. And the only reason I say that is because in a lot of mocks, they have Chicago taking the third wide receiver. But let's say that all three of the top three wide receivers between Marvin Harrison, Malik Neighbors, Romo Dunes, they are gone by the time 
number nine comes because that's a that's a possibility. Like you could tell me that Arizona takes Marvin Harrison, Chargers take Malik Neighbors, and Giants take Romo Dunze, and I wouldn't be shocked. Like, would that shock you at all if that happened? Now, are you saying the Bears are going to take? You're saying the Bears are going to take Brock Bowers? I'm saying the Bears could take Brock Bowers, like if that third wide Mm -hmm. receiver isn't there because they just need pass catchers. So, like they, I I, I don't know. I think that's a possibility. I could see that. Um, My thing is that what do you do with? Do you run a two tight end set with Cole Komet? Because Cole Komet, I think Cole Komet is good for the Bears. I don't. I don't think. You know, I think he's a good tight end. I, I think he plays. I think he does. He does really well with what he's got as far as the Bears go. You know, their offense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's not like he's playing with a top 10 quarterback or even a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Um, d- debatable. Obviously, some people love Justin yeah. Fields. I don't mind him. I think he does great on the ground. I think he's kind of in his Lamar stage where everyone thought that he was just a running back. I think eventually it will come around with enough practice. Well, I mean, I would say that we're putting Caleb as the Bears quarterback (laughs) at this point. Yeah, okay, I guess you're right. With Justin Fields, like, unfollowing them on on Instagram and Twitter and everything else. Yeah, I guess I could give up on the Fields debate. But that's not really where I was going. I was going with kind of like the the Cole Komet thing. I I think Cole Komet did really well. I don't see them doing anything with him. Um so getting two tight ends would be kind of weird for a Caleb Williams type quarterback. I don't disagree with that. I was just throwing it out there that maybe if they're desperate for pass catchers that they might just add him because he could. Now they might use him like a different a, way. Yeah, right. He could be like a big slot is essentially what Bowers could be with And you could still have him and commit on the field at the same time. But the other team that I would think that would really take him was, would be the jets. I think that the jets need a tight end really badly and not even like a, a, a traditional tight end. They just need somebody other than Garrett Wilson who can like be a reliable pass catcher, but also who can help stretch out the field, like just help with the spacing in the passing game too. I mean, granted we haven't seen a quarterback who's able to actually pass the ball well at all. I think that it's likely he goes in the top 10, but I do think that there's a possibility he slides. And I think that like his floor is like the Bengals at 18. Okay, because I think that that's the lowest he would possibly well, go. But yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think he's going to go in the twenties either. I think he'll be in. I think he'll be in the top fifteen. I just think top ten. It, it like you said, it kind of just depends on who's willing to to take him there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's pretty much it for. Um, and then we really just have like two more sports related questions, and then we have a couple, you know, just fun ones to close out the show. But uh, the last couple questions that we have. Uh, are going to be one is a theoretical, which I find very funny, but the other one is a fantasy uh, question. And there's an argument on Reddit that talent trumps situation. And this is very apparent, like in dynasty, whenever you're doing rookie drafts and you're drafting rookies and trying to project how their careers are going to go. And that train of thought comes from where a talented player who's like an elite prospect based on their, their metrics, you know, their production, all that stuff. And if they are an elite prospect and a good talent, that they will be a good fantasy football player, regardless of where they end up going, right? So, and, and there's a couple of examples that I have picked out specifically where this has happened. And um, I guess to you, do you think that that is true for fantasy purposes specifically? Like if if a wide receiver or if a running back or even a quarterback goes to a team that maybe it doesn't seem like an ideal fit, that if they are 
what is perceived to be an elite talent coming into the league that they will, no matter what, be a good fantasy player? I think it's very, how do I say this? I I think it's very position-based. Okay. For example, if you have an elite talent coming in at running back, he's going to be in, I mean, it's going to, it's his will to, to, you know, be great. Yes. You have to have a decent offensive line. Um, but I, I think if you're a great running back coming into the league, you're going to be a good fantasy running back, right? Now, when it comes to receiver, okay, if I was if I was drafting a dynasty draft and I have Marvin Harrison Jr. coming into the league, who is a great talent and probably will be a great fantasy player, not doubting that right. at all. But if he goes to play with Aiden O'Connell or if he goes to play with Mac Jones, I'm right. not excited. I, he's definitely dropping in draft value for me. Right. Um, because it's it's just you have to rely on the guy throwing him the ball to get him the ball. So there I could – like, for example, for example, this season, everyone thought Calvin Ridley was going to be the best thing since sliced bread. Like, he was going to be the sleeper fantasy pick in all dynasty drafts. He was going to be the sleeper pick in, in a lot of regular drafts, redraft leagues. And – his quarterback gets hurt and Calvin Ridley is just absolutely nothing. So that being said, it would be the same thing if like the number one draft pick went and played with, you know, I don't know, uh, Sam Howell. Like look at Terry McLaurin. Like if right. you were, if you were a star wide receiver and you were going to play for the Redskins, like I no, yeah. I'm not excited. I just saw, I just saw Terry McLaurin seven years in a row average four and a half fantasy points. Like yeah. I'm not, that's not exciting to me. So I, th- I think situation yeah. does matter for certain positions. Yeah. T- Terry McLaurin and DJ Moore were the like classic version of, I don't care how talented of a wide receiver you are. Like if you're in a crappy situation, it's definitely going to impact whether or not you're as good as you can be in, right. in as a fantasy player. So in um, your situation is, is it situational? Or in I, your I think, I think there's the, I am of the opinion that there is a, like, imagine I'm writing this on a chalkboard that like fantasy success equals talent plus situation is the way that I see it. And so I think it's a very, very balanced amount of both because I don't think you have to be in the perfect situation to succeed. You just can't be in the absolute garbage situations, (laughs) you know, like, and and those happen. The two, I have two examples that we saw this past year. That is the prime example. And the, these two guys might as well be the new Terry McLaurin and DJ Moore, in my opinion. And that's Drake London. And Garrett Wilson. <laughs> so Drake London and Garrett Wilson, for, for just to put context to it, Drake London, Atlanta Falcons wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, New York Jets wide receiver. They were drafted as the wide receiver 16 and the wide receiver six, respectively, this past season, like an ADP. So like Garrett Wilson was the sixth wide receiver taken off the board ahead of a lot of good wide receivers. Same thing with Drake London. And both those guys finished well below that. Garrett Wilson finished at wide receiver 32. Drake London finished at wide receiver 40. And it's not because we think they're bag of receivers. It's because we think that they had the two crappiest quarterback situations probably in the entire league. Well, if if they were bad receivers, they wouldn't have been number six and number 16 to start off with. So they have Correct. the talent. They have the talent to both be in that top 20 conversation. They they have enough. To, they have the talent to both be a wide receiver one on a fantasy league, depending on how big right. your league is. Right. And. I totally agree with what you're saying. I think on your chalkboard, I think it also goes, you know, 
you said talent plus situation plus scheme. I think the sure. scheme matters yeah. too. Yeah. Because if if you're a star wide receiver and you're going to play with Christian McCaffrey, you're not getting the ball as often as you think. You're going to get not. your you're yeah. you're going to get your share, but you're not going to get the balls. You're not off. you're not getting 15 targets a game. No, you're not getting the CD Lamb share if you have Christian McCaffrey on your team. So right. it's it's just I think situation plus talent plus scheme is definitely a, a, a big thing. So I, I think we're both kind of on the same page there. I think we both kind of say they go hand in hand when it comes to talent and situation. I, I think so too. And uh, the last one we really got that's sports related uh, this is a funny hypothetical. So each of us get a month to train. All right. Get in the best shape of our lives, so to speak. We then have to go against each other one-on-one and we do it two different ways. We have to do it as a defensive back wide receiver matchup and then a offensive line defensive line matchup and who wins the best of three reps in each scenario are we going to be realistic yeah why not i i am being very realistic about the way that i i see this okay um if we both get time to train i think that you would beat me and when i say beat me i think you would like not handedly, but it'd be like semi-definitive out of six reps on both sides of the ball, for instance, like, cause if you're D, you know, DB wide receiver out of the six reps, I think I would probably win two of them and you would win four of them. And I think you would win the DB wide receiver matchup. And I, there's a reason for this because you played soccer a lot and route running is a lot of footwork. And I, I you are, you are slow by like standards, if you will. But I'm pretty slow too, so I don't think that it's. I don't think that speed is going to be either of our uh, advantage in either of these matchups. Um, so I, I'm giving you the DB wide receiver one on one. I think you win that. I, I would say that I win the offensive tackle defensive line matchup. That I'll leave it at that. That's my opinion. I, what What do you think? So this is the way I kind of see it going. Um, I at the age we're at now, you know, we if we said this eight seven eight nine ten years ago i'm definitely pulling muscle at some point i think it's a little different (laughs) yeah like i i think the fact that you're gonna have both knee braces on (laughs) and you're gonna be wearing i'm gonna assume you're gonna you're just gonna show up in the black kobe eights with three holes in them (laughs) um so no i'm just kidding but i i think the db wide receiver i think you're right i think i i think it would be two to four probably um the defensive tackle and or the defensive end and the left tackle or right tackle situation, like the tackle D end matchup. I think it's going to be really tough. You know, this is after working out for a month. Yeah. I think it would be really tough for either of us to really get a successful attempt at the defensive end position. Sure. Um, I just think that both of us would probably be better at standing in the way, like getting in the way <laughs> than the other, okay. than the other person would be at getting around them. Does that make sense? Yes. The only reason why I think I have the edge on you in that regard is because a lot of defensive ends and even offensive tackles, the wider their their base and their how broad you are matters more as like a tackle and defensive end than it does at like DB wide receiver. And I think I have noticeably wider shoulders than you. <laughs> like I have like Aaron told me the other day I have like a swimmer's body which is like perfect for if you're trying to block or if you're trying to rush the passer. 
I would love for us to actually do this. I would like love combine. for us. We should like, do like combine measurements, like wingspan. And all that. I would love for us to actually do this and film it. Um, oh my God. I, I think this is a great, I think this is a great question. And I think it's like both of us think we know what would happen, but I don't really know <laughs> what would happen. So um, whoever sent this question, whoever brought this up, um, I, I think it was a great question. I loved the fantasy related question, but I think I really liked the hypothetical question as well about just me and yeah. Peyton. What would happen athletically? Yeah. All right. And then uh, we have a couple of uh, just rapid fire questions just to close out and then we'll get out of here. Um, pineapple and pizza. Yes or no? Ooh, P- pineapple is not a pizza topping. Pineapple is not pineapple and pizza is good. Okay. I'll say it. Pineapple and pizza has okay. a good taste. It has a good taste, but pineapple is a fruit. It is not a pizza topping. Okay. I, I understand the logic, but the answer is yes for me. Like a thousand percent. Okay. I would argue that like, I mean, I would probably put pineapple on about 50% of the pizzas that I eat in my lifetime. Oh, no, I'm not that big pineapple and pizza guy. Like if it's on the pizza, I'd be like, all right, cool. You got a Hawaiian. No problem. But like, I'm not going out of my way to put pineapple on my pizza. I'm probably getting the good old, like, I like pepperoni, mushroom and jalapeno. I gotcha. Okay. So uh, this one is, I would be surprised if you answer anything other than the way that I think most people answer toilet paper over or under. Under people, I think, are just... Over. Under people yeah. are, are like... I don't know if we just... Because we grew up from the same house, but my my girlfriend, Mackenzie, every time you know I run out of toilet paper, she puts my toilet paper back on the little thing. And it's always under. And I'm like... <laughs> and, and I just flip it around, you know. But I've said something a couple times. Like, hey, that's not how you put the toilet paper on. What if you got poo finger? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to get it on the rest of the roll. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna spin the roll for it to fall under, and the part that you're spinning is now coming off on the under part that you're now ripping. I don't know. I, I'm gonna say over. That's how I was raised. I feel at like least, that's the right way least, to do it. At least you have somebody who will actually put the toilet paper on the roll after it's over. Aaron just puts it on the counter and leaves the oh. roll on the thing, and it drives me nuts. You're you're big. You're a big texter. Hey, I need some toilet paper. Are you that guy? Or are you that? Hey, are you hollering across the house? Like, hey, you sit down, you're, you know, you're doing your thing. And then it's, it's time to clean up and you look over and there's no toilet paper. Uh, are you I sending usually, a text or I you usually have the wherewithal to, to say, oh, okay, there, I need to get some toilet paper real quick. That or I'll do the waddle. <laughs> One or the other. I'm not, I'm not usually going to like, if there's toilet paper in the bathroom somewhere, I'll figure it out. I'm not going to text somebody to, to get it out for me. All right. But, I, go ahead. We, I'm sure we right, have more questions. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, we have a, uh, do you, whenever you're putting on your socks and shoes, you go sock, sock, or do you go sock, shoe? Sock, sock. Okay. The hell? All right. I think most of these are like questions to determine whether or not you're a psychopath or not. Well, so. like, do you do, you do sock, sock, right? Duh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Who the hell does sock and then shoe and then sock and then shoe? And then last one, milk before cereal or cereal before milk? That's not even a question. It's cereal no, before milk. It's cereal before milk. Okay. Peyton, we grew up okay. in the same house. Like we made well, the same. Okay. Well, we made our bowls Josh, of cereal right next to my each friend other. My friend Josh famously is a milk before cereal guy. Um, On these psychopath questions, uh, there's this long thing that I've seen uh, multiple times on, on Instagram and everything else. And Apparently, there's this theory that half of people sit to wipe and half of people stand to wipe. And the other half, the the half that you're on, you don't 
you're not aware that the other half exists. Yeah, exactly. Have you seen that? I have, and I've heard of the people standing to wipe, and I don't. I will never understand it because I don't know. <laughs> those people are the people who, if you smell something funky, it's probably them. <laughs> because hey, no way that that our, thing's clean. <laughs> our toilet, our toilet paper converse, our toilet paper conversation just made me think of that. I was like, that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the sit or stand to wipe kind of thing. But yeah, um, was that the last question? That is the last uh, question that no, we no, have. No, 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 no. Oh, no. it's not. It is not the last question that we have because we do have an avid listener that would be really upset if we did not address his question. All right. So um, let's get right into it. Our, our cousin Nick left us a question about oh, a WNBA player. I literally had to look this person up and I was like, uh, I don't know. I was really lost. Is Kelsey Plum actually hot? For those of you who don't know, Kelsey Plum, now that I've done the Wikipedia on her, she's a uh, player for the um, Las Vegas Aces. She also is married to Darren Waller, and she makes 200000 a year on a $400,000 contract, and she is the, I think, like 12th highest player in the WNBA. She's a nice-looking lady. Okay. Well, so my thing, first thing I did was look up her height. First thing I did, I was like, all right, Kelsey Plum, I see who this this girl is. I see her standing next to Darren Waller. I'm like, well, how tall is Darren Waller and how tall is she? Because if she's like six one, like I'm out. I'm I'm five ten. Like it's just it's just not it's not it's just not gonna work. It just it just would never work. But I think the problem is is that you see her as an athlete and female female specifically, like for males, it's a little different, I feel like, because guys don't wear makeup usually. Um, nowadays sometimes, but guys don't wear makeup. Girls usually wear makeup. Well, yeah, whatever. But (laughs) girls also, whenever you see a guy in their sports clothes, like that's a pretty average outfit for a guy to be wearing gym shorts and a tank top and basketball shoes where a girl, you expect her to be wearing, you know, a top, some jeans, and maybe like some, um, Birkenstocks, you know, like, I don't know, but I think the fact that you see her on the court, it might affect that like answer. I I, I would say she's good looking. I, I wouldn't necessarily say she's like super hot or somebody I'm sought like super sought after, but I would say she's she's a good looking woman, yes. Okay. I'm All right, glad Nick. That we could that, humor Nick there. <laughs> that that was for you, Nick. That was for you. What is oh. Peyton, what is your biggest strategy? What is your number one strategy to cope with life without college football? Or without not without college football, without football in general? Find something that you like at least half as much as football. <laughs> I don't know. That's the only thing I can tell you. I mean, in the off season, I or at football off season, I, I should say, I start to golf a lot more, and that's what I would say. It, you just got to find the one thing that you can occupy your time with. I've been building a lot of Legos. I've been building a crap ton of Legos since football season has ended. Um, never been a Lego guy. I think I've said that on the pod a couple weeks ago. So that has kind of taken my time off of my mind off of football a little bit. And I've also uh, started, I've already watched um, three seasons of it, but um, McKenzie has never seen any of it, which is Ozark. So we actually oh, started. The, oh, dude. Great show. If you haven't yeah. seen it, I think you'd love it. Um, it takes a little time to watch their 55 minute episodes, um, but we watch one a night and we get home from work, um, eat dinner, watch one, watch an episode. And that's been something that's been really nice to keep my mind off of, you know, not watching football. 
So yeah. Caleb, that is my that is my advice to you as well. So other than that, Peyton, we have hit them all. Though that that was it. All right, so. man. Well, uh, thank you guys for you know, tuning into this mailbag episode. I I'm glad that you guys submitted questions, and I'm glad we had some fun with it. And next week, I I can't tell you what we're going to do next week because I don't think we've really thought about it. But we will have an episode next week. But in the meantime, take it easy and enjoy your week. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Thank you guys, everybody that submitted a question. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Peyton. It's always a pleasure having you guys listen. Um, We appreciate you guys and uh, can't wait for next week either. So we'll see what we have in store. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later, Parker. All right, man. Peace.